Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. I would like to welcome Tonya Don Rekla today. We are very fortunate to have the Executive Director of Superpower Experts joining us today on the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. Tonya Don is the Executive Director of Superpower Experts. Tonya Don Rekla spends her days convincing people superpowers are real and recruiting other powerful mutants. During her career as a government special agent, she explored the human psyche, honed her superpowers, and cracked the code of enlightened self-actualization. Tonya continues as a lifelong student of energy manipulation, transmutation, clear senses, intentional molecular creation, and more. She believes everyone has the power to create a multidimensional existence and master the human experience. Welcome, Tonya. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. Yeah, such a treat. Now, Tonya and I met at this amazing uh, podcaster summit several weeks ago in the New Media Summit, and it was just so exciting to see the different ways that people are really using their superpowers and using technology to extend their superpowers to a larger audience. So what what were your thoughts on that? How You know, I'd just love to hear what were your takeaways of that potential in that environment? Oh, I thought it was amazing. Steve did a, Steve Ulster put on the event, did a fantastic job. Um, what we're seeing more and more are, are people trying to crack the code on how to bring people together to work better. So the fact that he was willing to feature 40 icons, you know, who, you know, in and of our own right, we, we think we have something important to say in a single event. It, that was pretty um, gutsy on his part. And he handled it with such a plomb. And so what it was such a neat mix of people who really were there to contribute and to help people out and share lessons learned. So it was a, it was a nice collaborative environment. And, you know, it's rare still, but we're seeing more and more people really want to change their events to be that style. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just really applaud him for doing that. Yeah, no, I think it was a pretty special event. It just It just felt like it kept on giving. Hmm. which was pretty amazing and so fun to have your daughter there too. Uh, I get to interview her later and I'm really excited yeah. about that. What a great kid. A, You've done a wonderful a job. Good job, mom. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. She's, she makes it easy. Yeah. You know, I'm curious, obviously, you know, you having a podcast and your daughter having a podcast technology and, and I, from what I understand, she's homeschooled. Correct. Is that correct? So Mm -hmm. I'm curious as to what kind of role technology plays in your household and in your your sort of day-to-day life. Oh, it's been such an interesting journey. So when she was two um, was when my husband and I left government to kind of pursue entrepreneurship. About six months into that trek, we realized we didn't really know what we were doing. And he ended up in Afghanistan on a a contract. Um, We're both former counterintel agents. And so that's a good place to use skill set is, is in a war zone. And so while he was gone, she was growing up, you know, she was two and a half going on three. And, um, and my job was to get the businesses going. We were in the process of building a corporate counterintelligence firm at the time. And she just wasn't content just to sit in meetings and whatever anymore. And we had made a pact together that, that we would not put her in daycare or anything else that she was going to be a part of our existence. 
And so, um, I, you know, I reached out to him at one point. I said, Hey, how do you feel about getting her an iPad or something? Because she's, I'd have to do something right. And I'd read all the stories and all the books and all the articles from all the experts about how horrible it is to introduce your kids to technology early on. Um, but I was kind of lost. I didn't know what to do. And so she got an iPad and what I found was, you know, and I was like hyper helicopter mom for a little bit, like you can only be on it for half an hour just during this meeting, you know, stuff like that. But what was so miraculous about it was one, she's extremely social. Like she's very well socialized. She comes to a lot of business events and conferences. So there was never any indicator that she was going to be prone to losing herself in it, which I know um, can be a, a real fear for some parents. And, and some kids I think are just more prone to that anyway. Um, she just wasn't, she enjoys the interaction and likes the, the, the human kind of appeal to things. But what the really fascinating byproduct was, is that she's just incredibly proficient in it. And so even, even today, in fact, she still has the same iPad that she got when she was two, which is remarkable. So it gives you an indicator about this kid. Like she doesn't break things. She doesn't, you know, yeah. but it, um, but the, you know, we'll have conversations and I'll say, well, where, where did you learn that? She goes, Oh, I looked it up. And she's just remarkably autonomous because of it. And so for, so you mentioned she has a podcast, but that's like her sixth business. Like she's done a number of businesses and she continues them. And so she's got her own acuity scheduling account, her own Asana account. She knows how to use Google sheets and Google drive. I mean, she's eight and it just got to the point where we have two other businesses. It's like, you're going to have, if you really want to run your business, you have to run it. And so when we go to events, she has to do the data entry into Google sheets so that she can send the follow-up emails. And, you know, for me, it's, it's priceless. Like, I don't know how she could do her businesses if we hadn't introduced her to technology early on. A lot of her homeschooling, um, the curriculum is handled via technology. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I know that there are some downsides. We haven't seen them. That's great. But we monitor too. And she self monitors really well. She'll, um, at one point she took YouTube off of her iPad cause she's like, I just don't like how I feel after I watch this. And so mm -hmm. she just deleted it and she's gone back to it a couple of times, but she self-regulates. Yeah. So it sounds like she's very self-aware. That's great. Mm -hmm. And I heard, uh, I was listening to one of the podcasts and she was talking about going to Burning Man yeah. and, you know, going <laughs> offline and, and that whole experience. I love the, I love the way you mix those two things and expose her to, to different uh, worlds and different environments that are you. You know, both offline and, and online. Yeah. Her response to that question, Joe's like, what did you, cause she, that was her interview with Joe Polish. And he's like, well, what did you get out of it? I think it was just kind of baffling, um, but people don't realize they have a kid's bill. And so 70,000 people, the kids are definitely the minority. I think they probably have 150 to 200 each time, but her response was just priceless. It was like, love. Like she just felt community and love in that place. And I know a lot of people think of it as drugs and alternate lifestyles and stuff, but she's like, sure. People were walking around naked, but everybody w was just love, you know, that, that they were just loving each other. And so it was so neat to hear that real raw response from her. Um, and it, it was, it was huge. That was an amazing, amazing event for the three of us to take. Awesome. What about you and technology and where, so you were in counterintelligence before. I assume you probably had a lot of tech involved in that as well. Do you have a love-hate relationship with technology or, you know, where is your relationship with it and, and how does it feed your soul or the other way around? You know, my husband and I were just talking about this this morning. Um, my husband's name is Justin and, and we were, um, what I, what I find is, because of the consciousness and awareness work and human behavior stuff that I do, I'm very 
observant of human behavior, even within myself. And so I was noticing this morning, um, as I was flipping through social media, it, the, the part of the mind, at least with me, the part of the mind that it activates and what it triggers within me. And, and it is very much, I want to say a love hate, but I, I'm very clear on where I'm sitting in terms of my expansion and confidence in whichever frequency I just happened to enter into um, by how I feel about social media. So when I'm confident in, so if I've gone through a recent transition and I'm building up confidence in a particular frequency, I, I start gaining confidence in social media so that I'm out there more, I'm liking things, I just feel really connected to people. If I'm in the midst of a transition or if I've recently shifted and I'm unsure about this new frequency, it, it reflects back to me something very different. And so I use it in that capacity. I think that um, you know my, one of my biases is, is that we created social media to really give ourselves an opportunity to kind of put up or shut up. Like either you're going to grow and face this stuff or you're going to get consumed by this like monstrosity that we've all created. And it can be very chaotic if you're not in observation of yourself and of what's being reflected. But I abide by the whole concept that everything that we see is a projection of ourselves first and foremost. And when I approach it from that standpoint, it gets me, you know, I'm able to get a lot of clarity through that. When I am wanting to take more of a victim stance or a finger pointing and blaming stance, you know, which we do sometimes when we're not confident in where we're sitting, um, it's a whole other situation entirely. So, you know, I'm gaining confidence with it. My husband and I are going to do a Facebook live this week on, um, I think, spies, sex and superpowers. Um, and so it, it's just kind of one of those like stripping off the layers and realizing that the, that kind of transparency is for me. You know, I'm not doing it to appease other people or to get likes or anything else. I'm doing it because it's another level of my own growth. Nice. I like that awareness. That's really, it's beautiful. And I, I, I hope for more people that they can achieve that. And that's part mm -hmm. of the work that I try to do is help people through that process of building that awareness. I'm curious, we talked a little bit at the event about consciousness and technology and just being, you know, sort of having this conscious relationship and also treating technology as if it was a satient being so that you have a more mutually beneficial relationship where it's really feeding each other. Have you ever had any experiences, from what I understand, you're quite intuitive, have you ever had any experiences where you felt that technology was really responding more in a satient way? Any funny stories around that? Uh, I use it that way all the time. So it's, again, I believe that I create my reality. I believe that the, the illusion, if you will, is no more real than anything else. And it's solely this little game that I'm playing with myself. And so the idea of the internet and the social media, I saw it first with things like email, um, you know, that we're able to kind of at, at the drop of a hat, connect with people all around the world. And, and it, it begged the question of, is there even really anybody on the other side? You know, are we using it as a tool to communicate with ourselves? And I know some of this is a little out there and woo-woo for some people, but, but those are the worlds that I play in. And, the, and so for me, you know, I think one of the best stories I have of that was I, I was asking, um, I kept hearing this term body transference. I didn't know what it meant. And it, but it would come to me just out of the blue or whatever. And, and I didn't hear a person speaking it, but I would, I would just get it like in these messages all the time. And I was like, well, what does this mean? Well, that, um, one evening, um, a being appeared to me with 
what did, oh, he had a dragon with him. It's very, anyway, I get that none of this makes any sense. And, and I don't, whether it's real or not real, I don't really lose sleep over that piece of it. I look at everything as being very symbolic. So whether it's my subconscious or whatever, I, you know, we could argue for days about that. But I said, you know, I'm like, hi, you know, who are you? And he's this long, tall guy with long white hair, kind of like Dumbledore-esque kind of character. And um, he's like, well, I'm a, um Arcturian elder. And I'm like, but of course you are. I had no idea what any of this meant. And my naivete and my confusion and my, you know, kind of whatever has been my biggest gift in all of this journey. Um, and, and he had this black dragon with him. And I said, well, why are you here? He goes, well, you were asking about body transference. And I was like, oh, okay, perfect. What would you like to share with me? Right. And so he just starts giving me all this information. And, and it, in the moment, I remember it made total sense. Like I was like, oh, of course that makes total sense. Well, when it was all said and done, I had no idea what he said. Like my mind just couldn't grasp it. And so I was like, okay, well, let me go. And I, again, get the guidance to go to Google, you know, my new best friend. And so I type in Arturian elder and sure enough, the first image I see is the exact image of this guy. So I'm like, okay, I'm on the right trajectory. And it led me down this rabbit hole that had I stopped to think about it logically, I would have been like, I'm freaking nuts. Like what's, you know, mind you like academia of a master's degree in thinking I was a counter intel agent, you know? Um, so I know how ludicrous it all sounds, but I just followed the rabbit hole and read some information and it made sense. It tied it all together. And that started me on, um, a level of awareness around what the body is, what it is and, and how we're not real clear actually on, on, on what it is. And we're a little bit off base. Um, but I just use it in that capacity. And so it's, it's, you know, the art of disbelief kind of, and being willing to suspend our, our staunch understanding of things to explore what it is. But it's funny that you linked consciousness and technology because a while back I heard very clearly the businesses that are going to succeed in the future will stay ahead of technology and consciousness and they have to do both. Mm -hmm. And so I work in those integrated bridging spaces. So I'm not so far out there in the woo woo. Like I have to be able to apply it here somehow, some way. This episode of The Evolving Digital Self is sponsored by Good Idea. Good Idea is the Swedish sugar buster. It's a scientifically proven dietary supplement designed to go perfectly with any meal. The big deal is that Good Idea, the Swedish sugar buster, contains a blend of five amino acids and a mineral in sparkling water that helps those with normal blood sugar levels handle the sugar spike following a meal. And it works with any meal containing fast carbs and or sugar. That's why Good Idea, the Swedish sugar buster, might well be your best lunch date ever. And the one you can have every day. Available now on Amazon.com. For more information, go to goodideadrinks.com. I love the way that you integrate the whole concept of superpowers. When did that come up for you as to like, mm. this is going to be what your platform was and, you know, how do you extract people's, their superpowers or help them realize their superpowers and really use them to their greatest extent? Oh, great question. And, and a good time for, I'm, or I'm actually in the process of putting the book together. It didn't, it didn't come naturally to me at all. I was not interested in the slightest. And so when it, when the messages started coming through, I was, I had, inadvertently slipped into being a coach of sorts, which was never my goal, right? We had a corporate counterintelligence firm. We were building a scalable due diligence and vetting business for small businesses. I'm a very practical business person. So the idea of any of this was, was kind of out there for me. And so 
when people found us for the due diligence stuff, what we found is that a lot of times people were making poor decisions in their businesses because they weren't facing their fears and they were abdicating some aspect of their power. And so we could keep taking their money because they kept making the same bad decisions, or we could kind of call it out and say, hey, I, I, let's look at this piece of it. Um, that made the brand really muddy um, because I was doing, I ended up doing more what would be considered coaching than the uh, due diligence consulting. So we just quietly kind of put that to the side and, and people, we never advertised or anything, but people just kept finding me for it. And they'd like come up and be like, I want to talk about your other business. And I'm like, who is telling people about it? Like, so, so my clients just kept referring and referring and it just kind of grew um, into this thing and it was kind of distracting and I wasn't real keen on it, but it was happening. And so about that time, I got a very clear message that I needed to build something collaborative. And to which I promptly responded, no, thank you. Like I am not interested and I don't really play well with others and no, thank you. You know, I I just wasn't, you know, and not only that, but to, to like be out there about that, it just wasn't happening. But as we know, the whispers just get louder over time. It just kind of kept building and building. And so, so I started playing with some collaborative concepts and stuff. And then the, the, you know, again, I'm writing the whole story about it. Ultimately the message was, you know, there's big, big, big work to be done here and no one's going to be able to do it alone. And when I asked how, how, how was that going to happen? The very clear response was superpowers. Mm-hmm. And that led to its own levels of resistance and, and everything else. But by the time I finally accepted that that's where this was going and, you know, I, I could see the vision and God and I had many, many, many talks on the subject. <laughs> Some of them, not very polite conversations. Um, on my end, he was always polite. Um, but the, um, but it really came down to the concept of superpowers is one that is so embedded in our culture. And what I find is that I've been, you know, we've done our podcast now for over a year and a half and it doesn't matter how successful people are, how much money they've made. You ask them about superpowers and it's like, it invokes this little kid in all of us. Like, wait, I could have superpowers like me, really me, like because those are our heroes. And thanks to Marvel and DC comics and stuff, they are doing our marketing for us for the next couple of decades. So it works out really well, but you asked, how do we help people with it? And, and that was my biggest consternation is like, if I'm going to tell people that superpowers are real, we, we have to be able to help them identify what their superpowers are. And so we did develop a process. I call it superpower design and I help people notice what their predisposed superpowers are. Um, in fact, people can go to our website and there's a quiz so they can find out one of them. So that's a good place to start. But what I found was that you can't just move people into superpowers. You know, there's, there's steps. And so I was shocked at how much we had to go back to foundational work of you have to first master your own personal power. And that's climbing up your mountain. You have to do the hero's journey before you can contribute and really collaborate with others. You have to have a solid sense of self and and be fairly confident in that. And then the second piece that came about, which really shocked me was this concept of the energy signature and how most people have no idea what they're communicating energetically. Mm-hmm. And so we then had to add in the component of attuning your own individual resonance, which is just unheard of, right? So to most people, we guard our thoughts, we guard our words, and we guard our actions, but we don't ever think about what we're communicating energetically. And that's what, what creates the most havoc in people's existence. So then we have to go through and do that. And then once people have done that, they're really ready to use their superpowers for good in the world, um, and in a collaborative and transparent way. 
That's awesome. And uh, you mentioned your quiz in there, and that will be there will be a link to that in the, uh, the show notes. So for those of you listening, you will be able to take that quiz and find out what your superpowers are. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds really great. One of the things that I think is so interesting with superpowers is, you know, the, I, I talk a lot about in, in my work about how technology can really help us augment those superpowers and really become an even better whoever we are. So the better, a better you, you know, and I think that even just, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, as a podcaster, being able to reach a, a wider audience and being able to share whatever your gift is in a different time and space. I think it's, it's a pretty amazing time to be in the world and to be in this space. So what are your thoughts on where in terms of technology has really helped augment your superpowers? Hmm. That's a great question. I, I, I definitely agree with the reach piece of it. We were read, my husband and I were reading Stealing Fire and in there they talk about this concept of cyborgs, you know, and how we're all kind of augmented in some form or fashion. Um, so for instance, when I was doing surveillance, like I ended up getting LASIK on my eyes because it, well, anyway, because, because it was challenging to change outfits and to, to look like a different person. If, if I had to always have on uh, my glasses or I had to deal with contacts or whatever while I was on mission. Um, and so we, they talk a lot about that, about how we've augmented our bodies in certain ways, how we've augmented our versions of realities. And, and we don't really want to acknowledge that. Um, but more and more, we're realizing that technology plays a huge role. Um, and there are pros and cons and all of that. And so for me, I, I, I'm such an observer of human behavior that I, I just watch. It's like, it's like a, a circus to me. You know, I just kind of sit in the stands and eat my popcorn and kind of just observe the trends because one of my superpowers is what we call t- temporal precognition. So I see multiple futures playing out simul- simultaneously and they're like ticker tape, mm-hmm. you know, the percentage of likely likelihood that they're going to come to pass. And depending on how we utilize and respect technology and again, use it for good. So a big part of my mission is to work with the change agents, mm-hmm. to work with the entrepreneurs, because, you know, if we don't, if, if we're not operating in some of these higher frequencies and in full autonomy and sovereignty, um, and, and if we come from fear, we're going to use technology um, in ways that we'll probably regret down the road. You know, for instance, I had, a, I had an aide to one of the congressmen call me and ask what side of the issues candidate had to be on for me to be willing to work with them. And immediately out of my mouth came like, I don't care about the issues. And I stopped. I was like, can this be true? Like, you know, I was a soldier. It's like, surely I have some political opinion. Right. And, and, it, and I, and I tapped in and I was like, no, it's very true. And I, and he goes, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, I'm much more concerned with the frequency and vibration people are sitting at when they're discussing the issues than what staunch stance they want to take on a position, I think opinions are highly overrated and which, which is opinion, which is great. Um, anyway, so the irony just, just didn't get lost on me there, but that's a great example of what I'm talking about is they're all tools. You know, we even talk about that in the superpower thing, you know, you hear people saying, oh, they're psychic or they, they're an empath or whatever. And it's like that in and of itself is just an ability. How are you using it? And have you done the work on yourself to make sure that you're wielding that tool in, in an effective, efficient, and powerful way consistently over time. But if you're not in touch with your own intuition and you're wielding some of these powerful tools, whether it's technology, psychic ability, empathy, then, then you're doing damage mm-hmm. in some capacity. And, and, and fooey on you because most people who are at that level of awareness know that they're not doing the work that they need to be doing and that they are trying to 
throw it out there hoping that it works, but you know, we, we need to take some ownership of that in my opinion. Absolutely. I really, really appreciate what you're doing. And I think that it's, it's so powerful for people to, particularly for change agents to find ways to really, to express themselves and to really let that true authentic intention come forward. Because I think some people are, uh, they ride a lot on being scared and by letting people know that they have a superpower or, or, or letting them know that it's okay to use their superpower and to do it with ethics and to do it with integrity. There's something really powerful about that. And I think that's where sort of my question was. It was more looking at the integrity piece and the awareness of doing something for good. And I think that's, that's really powerful. Do you Thank have you. any interesting stories of, I mean, you're a spy, so you, I'm sure you have a million <laughs> uh, interesting stories, but oh, of some, uh, has there, you know, were there any interesting, I'm a tech geek, so I'm sure you had all kinds of cool gadgets to think of James Bond, you know, what was your favorite technology toy in your spy life? Oh my goodness. What a great question. Um, I'm running it through all my filters of what I can share. The um, <laughs> So I, I will answer it a little bit differently. Okay. So being an agent didn't come naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Um, being a soldier didn't come naturally to me. I actually enlisted at 27 with a master's degree. And it was right after 9-11. During both my bachelor's and my master's programs, uh, I was very, very liberal. Uh, we protested the Republican debates, like all kinds of whatnot. And I was heavily involved in some groups on campus. You know, I I was actually hired as an undergrad to train staff and faculty at a major university in how to deal with issues of race and diversity and stuff like that in the classroom. Because for some reason, I, again, with human behavior, I just got it. I just understood it at a level a lot of people didn't. And after I got my master's degree, like I said, 9-11 happened and something just switched. And so I, I can't even tell you how I ended up on the recruiter's doorstep or anything else. But it's very unheard of for somebody that age with a master's degree to enlist in the Army. The problem was with the Army is that to get the job that you wanted, um, you had to enlist. You could request a job if you went as an officer, but you weren't guaranteed it. At least at the time when I went in, that's, that's how it was. And there was only one job I wanted, and I wanted counterintelligence. I didn't know a ton about it, but I knew enough to know that that was where I was going. And so I enlisted. Well, my army career was very short lived because I, I got very ill and damaged my inner ears and blah, 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 all that good stuff. But out of that, I got recruited by this agency. They'd watched me in, in, in anyway, it just worked out that way. And I got placed in a very prime spot that I knew nothing about. I didn't come from that world. I just knew I was watching other people's reactions to the fact that I got placed in this spot and it was a big deal to a lot of people. So I said, okay, it must be a big deal. Well, when I got to my duty station or the, it was, and when I got there, the idea was that I was going to do investigations, which I, I love. It's a very thinking game. I, you know, so we were investigating suspected um, perpetrators of espionage in the United States. It was great. I loved being an investigator. Well, during that, I took some training and ended up getting trained to do surveillance and hated surveillance. Mm-hmm hated it. I felt like a fish out of water the whole time. It was nerve wracking. I didn't mind being in the car so much, but to get out of the car was, I mean, we were going up against known or suspected, I shouldn't say known, but suspected kind of bad people. Right. And that just wasn't something I thought I'd ever be in the middle of, but, but they had a problem trying to keep women in in that arena because it was such a grueling lifestyle. 
I was single at the time. Um, and they really wanted me to do surveillance. So I was, I was able to negotiate to do both, which was unheard of, but I, but I really wanted to keep investigation. So I said, I would do that too. Long story, not so long. There was all these gadgets, like you were talking about. We had all kinds of like the James Bond stuff. I wasn't directly um, involved with those. I wasn't in that unit, but they accompanied us on surveillance and we had to learn how to use them, obviously. But it, ne- I, it, it was so awkward for me. Like I just, I mean, you see all the movies and it's like, it's so easy. Like you're carrying the camera and you catch them on film and da, 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 da. And it was like, I always felt like just absolutely ridiculous. I'm like six foot tall. Like I don't blend in, you know? And so it was like, I mean, I just, and it was so surreal, but the one mission in particular, I was so resistant to getting out of the car. Like everybody else had been out on the ground. There's all kinds of rules about how many times you can get out and all these other things. And so at, by the end of the mission, there was a stop and, and, my partner literally had to kick me out. He's like, you have to get out of the car. Like you're the only one who hasn't been on the ground. You have to get out. Well, that landed me in federal court testifying against the person because I just happened to see something that I really didn't want to see, but that we ended up, you know, that's what we were looking for. Mm -hmm. And so here, you know, I'm the envy of all these people because I get to testify in federal court. It's the last place I wanted to be. (laughs) The last thing I wanted to be doing, I wanted nothing to do with it. Um, so it was just this comedy of errors, really, when I look back on it. And it, you know, maybe on the outside, it looks like this slick, cool world. It's not how I felt on the inside. And so yeah. I, you know, I had to use all those tools and the radios never worked on me right. I have very high frequency energy. Did not go well with radio. <laughs> it's just this mess. So to me, that's that's what I remember about yeah. it. Yeah, no, I think that definitely, depending on your vibration, some technologies just don't groove well. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and, and part of it is recognizing which ones do work for us. So, well, and I'll tell you too, peace. Yeah. Yeah. And, and part of it is too, so not letting it get to you. So, so we, I've had conversations before where they've gotten cut off literally like some interviews were so high frequency, they just keep getting cut off. And it's like, no, no, like, no, we're having this conversation. So I kind of have this like matrix-esque kind of idea of it. Like the matrix is not going to win on this one. Like we're having this conversation. And so some of it is just choosing to rise above. I know a lot of folks in the spiritual and energetic communities kind of have this like, well, Mercury's retrograde or da, 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 or whatever's happening. But it's like, we get to choose, you know? So, so I caution people don't, don't buy into the stories. We can laugh about them and kind of make jokes, but ultimately that's still another abdication of your power. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking technology has this hold over you. Or that somehow it, it has the ability to limit you in any capacity. And so, so, you know, I always, I always work with my clients to really watch any of that dialogue as well. We can joke about it, but ultimately I, I could have risen above that. I could have managed that. I, I didn't know that at the time. But looking back, that was, I was sinking into the idea that it was feeding my story that I was inept as mm-hmm. an agent. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. I totally get it. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's something that uh, we have to take ownership of, of what our role is when, when things uh, work or don't work. And uh, whether that's vibration based or whether it's, you know, just what, what it is that we're putting out and where that, that sits with others. One of the things that I love to do with my clients and with the whole process of helping people get to a digital self mastery piece is really looking at how we have a gratitude practice and how we apply that in our lives, but also do we apply it to recognizing appreciation for the technology and what it does for us in our lives. 
Do you use a gratitude practice at all in your life or in your work? Um, I think in a roundabout sort of way. So I work with people on what I call embodying the abstract frequency. And so it's the space where we are all connected, where there is no separation between any of us in that space. It is love. It is gratitude. It is forgiveness. It is all of these things exist there. And so by choosing to embody that space and not drop down into lower frequencies, that's a constant. And mm-hmm. so a lot, you know, it was years ago now that I had to make the commitment to stay in connection in all things. So I don't take time out from my life to meditate or to connect or to think of gratitude or anything. It's a, it's a constant state of beingness. And so I've incorporated that into that existence because the things that I set about to do here require it. And so if I'm not, you know, connected at all times, I, you know, I describe it like being 80% source and 20% Tonya and those numbers are shifting constantly then I'm ineffective. And and that's kind of the occupational hazard of doing this work is that you have to constantly up level. And so it's the most powerful existence I've ever felt, but also the most humbling. And so the gratitude piece is a natural state of that existence. It's integrated. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately where I hope to get people. And I try to be myself, but occasionally I need to that quick reminder. So when I say a gratitude practice, that's, that's not necessarily setting a certain time of day, but it's sometimes acknowledging that maybe that piece is missing and that's why something's not grooving mm-hmm. the way that it should be. So it's just remembering to say uh, thank you. And our time is coming to a close. So I want to mm-hmm. thank you because this has been really enlightening and fun. And I, I love hearing about your work and I hope our listeners will take some time and do the quiz and follow up and check out your work with the superpower experts. And I wish you the very best of luck with it mm-hmm. and uh, look forward to seeing where it goes in the future, because I think there's a very big place in our lives for letting people really let that superpower out and, um, and make a difference in the world. Well, and thank you so much for all the work you do in the world. It's, uh, you know, I'm honored to, to be in your presence. Thank you. It's mutual. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes. Mm-hmm.